This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. But you know what? They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show, sucker! Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Brian. And we're the Hut Hunters. We help witches that are just at the end of their rope trying to find the hut of their dreams. That's right, Dan. And we sure do have our work cut out for us this week. Meet Agnes and Minerva. These two ladies have seen it all, but what they really need to see is a new home. I'm Agnes. And I'm Minerva. We've been run out of three towns in as many years. Someone left the cage unlocked, and those sinfully delicious children knocked on us. <laughs> We're looking for the hut of our dreams. Walk-in herb storage. <laughs> A two-broom garage. Self-locking child cages. And perhaps one of those rooms filled with spiders that I've read about in the magazine. Yes, a spider room. (laughs) Well, you can see we have our work cut out for us. They have Eye of Newt dreams with a wing of bat budget. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Brian. Greetings, I'm Agnes. And I'm Minerva. Let's go on in and check this one out, huh? Right this way. As you can see, the entryway is appropriately foreboding, and I'll have you know, the living room, while small, has been the site for no less than six black masses. Is that a blood stain? Oh yes, we'll get someone to clean that up. Oh no, no! Leave it. (laughs) As you can see, there's only a couple of rooms upstairs, but let me tell you, the attic is so spacious and full of cobwebs. You're gonna love it. Over here you'll see not only is there water damage, but a really healthy bed of black mold in this corner that we expect, especially in the springtime, to flourish. (laughs) Now I know you ladies said you wanted a two-broom garage, but this one has a really quaint one-broom garage. I can always lock my broom up outside, I suppose. I worry about thieves or wandering disenchanters. So we'll give you ladies some time to think about it, and you can uh, tell our audience at home what your thoughts are, and then you can come back and tell us. Agnes's broom is her pride and joy. She fears the vengeful actions of the many she has crossed in her time. And so she should get the the broom in your garage. She should keep hers on the inside. My broom's a beater. I don't even care. I enjoyed the foreboding entrance and the bloodstains, but they're a poor substitute for a bigger garage and a walk-in herb closet, which we desperately need. I've never been much for muttering in an attic, and while black mold is indeed a plus, I wouldn't say it seals this pact. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're going to take you to our next location. The address is 1823 West Sunnyvale Lane. It's a beautiful covenant neighborhood with a couple of different houses of worship in the neighborhood. Next! No, thank you. (laughs) All right, well, moving on. We've been saving this one for last. It is an absolutely depressing never-fixer-upper. 
It has been abandoned for 47 years. One of the most charming aspects about it, and I'm not sure they're up to code, so you might have to get this checked out, but it has fully functional chicken legs on it. Because everybody knows when you were looking for a witch's hut, it's location, location, location. (laughs) And especially true when that location can move. The summoning room is fully warded in 17th century hexes. Wait till you ladies see the kitchen. I think it's going to be particularly spellbinding. There is a built-in spice and spell component rack right in the wall here. Far cry from an herb closet. Well, this is definitely a smaller bungalow-style abode, but I'll have you know the cauldron mounts are built in and there's a separate cauldron warming station. Now, unfortunately, the warlock who lived here was sort of a loner, so he was used to just boiling for himself. It, it, it only accommodates a smaller cauldron. A little better news, we've got a one-and-a-half broom garage. You expect me to fit half of my broom in there? I'm having difficulty finding the entrance to the cellar. Is it hidden with a charm? There is no cellar. (laughs) But not to worry, I think we've got an upstairs that you'll just find magical. In fact, there's large open windows in the front where you could put a silhouette of a figure and backlight it with some strobe effects. It'll really be charming and disturbing. What is that infernal racket? Uh, I'm sorry. You're, you're just around the corner from the Charles Barkley School for Overweight Children. They're just so slow. So probably could have stood uh, a year or two at the Charles Barkley School for Overweight Children. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me me too. I get, are they, can I go, like, next week? <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm David Flora. I'm Dave Stecco. Welcome to Blurry Photos. I just want all, all the children to know that you have it within you. Do not be so fat. <laughs> that's that's a spot on, yeah. spot on Barkley. That's, it's, you, it's your milieu. I was stealing that. that was, yeah. Barkley, Barkley's yours. <laughs> I, I, I get iced tea, you get Charles Barkley. I think that's fair. You get Orson Welles, I get Ronald Reagan. Yeah, see? Well. <laughs> Hope everybody's doing well. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Yeah. Glad I'll to do. have you here. If you're not new to the podcast, you are just as welcome. You're still welcome. Yeah. I, I, re, I, re, I, I renew my vows to you. If you're new to the podcast, we like to explore the unexplained. And explain the unexplored. <laughs> see how that works? Also, we finish each other's snake oils. Snake oils. <laughs> I started to actually finish it, and then I was like, no, I better do something funny instead. It's a trap! <laughs> so, uh, oh, I just added one to my... Oh, you, Akbar's yours. <laughs> so, so, so that's what we do. So, yeah, I uh, hope, hope you enjoy. We, we like to dish out some info, and we like to... Uh, we also like to take it. We, also <laughs> we, like we can to take dish info. out the info, but we can also take it. It's true. Well, we're big assholes about it, Uh, but that's just who we are. We're not actually trying. It comes as as natural as breathing to us to be just just insufferable. (laughs) (laughs) Raging douchebags. Yeah. So welcome to this episode wherein we shall... uh, Now, we did forever ago, maybe our first Blurry Photober ever. Yes, it was. 
uh, we did the history of witchcraft and and such. Witches, yeah, witches, witchcraft, and which it's, it's season one, episode eight. Yeah, that's pretty thorough, but that's a long time ago. I'm not. We're not going to redo that because I don't want to. No, no. But what we a bit, but the history of of witches is long. Yes, and and while what we went over was kind of the 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 mythology, the folklore, general um, witchery. Yeah, but let's talk about the very real times in mm-hmm. in history when witches were real enough to get your ass killed. That's right. Let us turn the magnifying glass on one small section of that witchy timeline. That's right. Let's look at some witchy women and see how high they fly. See how high they fly. And and let's talk about a uh, uh, listener suggestion. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's in my fucking head the whole rest of this episode, you son of a bitch. <laughs> see, when you're singing really good, the less you pronounce, you just, just leave the lips really relaxed. <laughs> that works for Eddie Vedder, too. Yeah, it does work for Eddie Vedder. He yeah. has built a glorious career on that. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into talking about specifically Salem lights, <laughs> the smooth, that's right, satisfying taste, witches with menthol, <laughs> the the minty texture of the Salem witch trials. Yeah, whoa, Oof. which is such a a, a fucking great intersection of history, folklore, religion politics oh man all of it in one nasty ass stew that's true that's very true uh all of it true and all of it still in our realm yeah believe it or not and i'm gonna i'm gonna hint at a little bit of uh witch trials and witch hunts what's thou seek to foreshadow (laughs) (laughs) verily good sir (laughs) Uh, i'll allow it yeah, I'd, I'm going to talk a, a little bit here and there just because, you know, Salem Witch Trial in itself, you need some background for it. You're right. And I think I think that that more than any other reason is why we're doing this episode. Yeah. I think I think everyone has a kind of ballpark nuts and bolts understanding of the Salem Witch Trial. But what I think is the more important story, the more interesting story is, is I mean, obviously, yes, the Witch Trial is pretty f***ing interesting, you know, mass hysteria and how this played out. But what's important is is the the history that led up to that moment, because those people didn't just wake up one morning screaming witches and grabbing pitchforks, right? Wait, the, were, were they uh, were they grabbing the pitches for the witches? Can this episode be called "Hitting the Switches for the Witches"? Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, man, you can do whatever you want, man. Noise, I yeah, noise, noise. <laughs> nor nor do I think people have a one hundred percent crystal clear idea of. What all happened to witches? I think we hinted at it at the in the old witch episode, but yeah. you know there are some things I think you, that uh, a lot of people still have misconceptions about. So we hope to skewer those in here as we go along, as as though they were a witch skewered on the pitchfork of historical truth. Yeah, sure. I now I want a T-shirt that says "Grabbing the pitches for the witches." <laughs> pitches for witches. We're going to talk about though in this episode what the Salem witch trials were, what actually happened. And their legacy. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I want to point out about my own ignorance at the beginning of this whole thing. Be uh, getting. <laughs> at the, be, uh, the beginning of this is, um, shoot, I forget which website. Probably it was Wikipedia. There was a website I was looking at, <laughs> and it was referencing an etching that was made in, uh, I want to say 1897 or something. Okay. About the Salem Witch Trials. And it was just the 
thing of the etching. And I just saw 1897. I was like, oh my God, this was so much more recent than I thought. <laughs> we really, we burned witches like just over a hundred years ago. Holy shit. And it took for like a minute. And then I was like, no, no, no. And then I kept reading. Wow. There's a lot of misconceptions in that thought there. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Buddy boy. I know. I don't know anything about nothing. I'll give you an overview and we'll get into that history. Didn't we just do that? (laughs) (laughs) So during 1692 and partly into 1693, some towns in colonial Massachusetts experienced a period of hysteria where over 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, leading to dubious local court trials and the deaths of at least 20 innocent lives. Which... Uh, even even the location gets a little dicey because it wasn't just in the one town as mm-hmm, everyone thinks, mm-hmm. but there was two different Salem's involved to make yeah. things even worse. There was a Salem town and Salem village, Salem village, which is now these days known as Danvers, uh, Ipswich and Andover, which we'll get back to. But uh, th- I think they just were like, well, two out of four is Salem. So we'll just, that's how we're going to do it. Well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of stuff that's that kind of makes the water a little warm in some spots. If you catch my drift, I, I don't. Okay, is it pee? Is that pee pee? Yeah, yeah. It's just it, there's a lot of pee in the water. I don't get it. This short but appalling span of time came to be known as the Salem Witch Trials, and as terrible as it was, there are lessons to learn from it and a lasting legacy which still affects us 320 some odd years later. Yeah, it confirmed hanging. Great way to kill a witch. We learned that. We, we proved it. <laughs> so to set the scene a bit, let's try to pin down witchcraft generally. It's a very broad term for a number of practices across a number of cultures, which pretty much means we can't define it in the time we have right now. Yeah, and we're not even going to try. You can think of it, though, as, as the practice oh, oh, of... I'm sorry. We are going to try. Yeah. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> you can think of it as the practice of magic or use of esoteric knowledge a type of sorcery used for divination or medicinal purposes uh, or maybe the redress of wrongs and grievances. It has a long history of being feared, mostly in the West, the Western Mm -hmm. world. And before that, it had a long history of being welcomed and helpful. That's true. And as Christianity spread, witchcraft increasingly became associated with devil worship. The Roman Catholic Inquisition, which began in the... Priests are trading up, but the uh, the market's really dropping out of the bottom of witchcraft. <laughs> sell, sell, sell. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm converting. Uh, I'm converting all my holdings from witchcraft over to uh, Catholicism. Yeah, it's on. The, it's trending yeah. upwards. It's 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 a smart move. Diversify. Smart move. Yeah, smart move. The Roman Catholic Inquisition, which began in the 11th century, eventually added the practice of witchcraft to its list of sins to be executed for. In the mid 15th century, sorcery and therefore witchcraft, became a heresy by papal decree. I like I like that there is a time when witchcraft and sorcery were separated, where it's like, yeah, sorcery, that's a killing. Witchcraft, maybe not. Wait, I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, sh- Okay, it's witchcraft and sorcery. Yeah. Both, both a killing. It's funny how people classify these magical things. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> because today people will still say so there's sorcery and there's witchcraft. So you know what we need? We need Grant right now because it'd be great to have like the classical D&D definitions of witch, wizard, 
sorcerer, sorcerer yeah. mage. Like how what what are the actual difference? And I I I feel like uh sorcerers don't they like use the energy within themselves? Within them, yeah, like yeah. the natural kind of unbridled energy and then mages are all about the textbooks and reading and preparing spells, Arcane right? Tomes and yeah, such. Yeah, right. I, I, I don't know. Also, apparently, male witches weren't warlocks; they were still just witches. Well, then what the fuck's a warlock? Dave, Dave's going to look that up. We because we've always said male witches were warlocks. It was just a way of being like, well, what's a warlock? Oh, it's a male witch. Done. Well, I see some of these where it does say uh, the word came to be used as the male equivalent of a witch. The word actually uh, comes from Old English meaning oathbreaker or deceiver. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but actually, every entry that I see here is like, and also male witch. I think that's a modern thing. If you go back to the Middle Ages and you're like, you're a fucking warlock, they'd be like, oathbreaker. I am not an oathbreaker. Spell, spell. Like, it, could also, it also could mean deceiver. Deceiver. The fruit of the divial. So anyways, that's that's just a fun fact. Hey. Yeah. Now, shortly after the uh, papal decree, the Malleus Maleficarum was published by Inquisitors Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Sprenger. We've talked, we talked about that in the witches episode. Yeah. It's, it was just a handbook for prosecuting witches, but the church eventually banned it and even the Spanish Inquisition in the mid-16th century was instructed not to use it as a guide. Which was a totally unexpected move for them. <laughs> it's true. They just, man, they keep us on our toes. <laughs> oh, man. I just never knew when to expect them. Hope what to expect from them. <laughs> How about you, Brink? Should we go back? <laughs> Chrononauts. Now, witch hunting as an organized practice really got rolling in Europe during the 15th and 16th centuries, with France, Switzerland, and Germany leading the way in number of witches caught, tried, convicted, and killed. At this time, uh, witches were burned, though this practice grew more and more unpopular with time. Now, uh, I'll come back to that in just a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's too bad that the burning human beings became less popular over time. The practice of seeking out witches to eradicate spread from there, and in 1542, the Witchcraft Act was enacted in England, which regulated penalties for witchcraft. Of course, in 1644, England had the pleasure of its very own self-appointed witchfinder general in Matthew Hopkins. Who we have gone over in length. Oh, yeah. Which, again, we said it then, and I'll say it again. Best entry on a resume in history. <laughs> witchfinder general. Y'all know me, Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder General, right? Uh, <coughs> don't forget my assistant. Dickie Sniffs. Dickie Sniffs, that's right, you got it. <laughs> People today often think of witch trials and Salem, Massachusetts, and maybe the burning times referencing the persecution of witches in England. But here's a fun fact for you. The burning times was a phrase coined by Wicca founder Gerald Gardner and not actually indicative of European witch hunts. It was from a weekend he spent at Burning Man where he also got crabs. Yeah. It was a mini-layered joke to him. <laughs> Just to him, though. Inside, inside baseball. Convicted witches were most often hanged or beheaded, then incinerated, and not as many as one might think were straight up burned at the stake. That is one misconception that, that is out there, that if you're a witch, you get burned at the stake. 
I think it's probably because it's the sexier way to do it. I think I think that is is Hor- mu- horribly sexier. I, you know, you know yeah, what I'm saying. You're a sociopath for that phrasing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that it's no matter how much you can get a crowd whipped into a frenzy when you burn someone. I mean, you've got to know in the pit of your stomach that they need to be burned to death. You know, like a person has to be pretty clearly the worst person for, I mean, cause that I, thankfully I don't know what it's like to watch a person get burned to death. Sure. Uh, I hope never to find that out, but I imagine that it's the kind of thing that if you've only got people kind of halfway on board, you're going to lose your support and then it's your turn on the spit hanging <laughs> on the other hand. The Lord loves a hanging. Very popular way to go for a long time. So we say, what the heck? It tightens up your vocal cords and loosens up your neck. There's an old Red and Stimpy had a whole song called oh, the, wow. Lord, the Lord Loves a Hanging. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't get to that one. Oh, it is glorious. <laughs> even, even so, witch trials have a long and sad history with some other notable ones, including... The Valais witch trials in France and Switzerland in the 15th century. Uh, Val Camonica witch trials in Italy in the 16th century. North Berwick witch trials in Scotland. The Poppenheimer family witch trials in Germany, which sounds like it would be a great place to get like donuts or yeah, the pastries. Yeah, welcome in. We are the Poppenheimer family. <laughs> also, we are witches. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hail Satan! <laughs> There's Perfect the seven-part uh, harmony. Basque witch trials in Spain uh, in the early 17th century. You know what I heard? That everyone who was accused of witchcraft back then, they probably moved, had to leave Spain altogether, cross the ocean, set up in the middle of Nevada, yeah, and bide their time. <laughs> and start digging. Yeah. There's the Pindle witch trials in England, the Rormand witch trials in the Netherlands, the witches of Belvoir, Twa- Trials in England. The Belvoir trials. Belvoir trials. Uh, the Bomberg witch trials. Uh, Loudon trials in France, on and on. And then the Connecticut witch trials, the Salzburg witch trials. There are so many witch trials that are out there. <laughs> I like that you, even you, we were like, I listed a lot of these. And on and on. And here's some more. And I have to finish my list. <laughs> Everyone, there was only like three, so <laughs> I owed myself. But you can see they're they're all over the world. It's not just like, oh, there were some witch trials in, okay, it's it's all over Europe. That's <laughs> Check your privilege. Europe, okay. 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 <laughs> okay. We have fun. We have fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's not just, you know, you think of a witch trial, you think Salem, but these things were going on all over the place in Europe and uh, from the early 15th century too. So as time wore on, the stereotypes of witches solidified. Which, I mean- Duh. They actually yeah. made books and pamphlets and posters about how to identify a witch. They, they actually codified what it is that makes a witch a witch so that you knew exactly which people to burn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I bet it was some kind of industry. Oh, yeah. In, in somewhere or something. Somebody was selling witch, witch swords and silver bullets. Absolutely. Well, and also, you've got, you got a witch finder general. If that guy is not turning in scrolls with convictions on it. You got to find a new witch finder. By definition, yep. he needs to find witches. Yep. You don't get that title unless you're mm-hmm. finding some witches. That's right. What are some uh, What are some of the things that people could look for if they were uh, hunting witches, Dave? Well, that's easy. First, look for females. Oh. Yep. 
That's uh, that's first and foremost probably a lady. Why was that? Uh, just uh, the usual for Europe. Uh, weakness. They're susceptible to sin. A little bit of Eve thrown in there. The foil to man's pure nature. You know, and they were responsible for their witches' sabbaths. Their black sabbaths. <laughs> Uh, broomstick, uh, broomstick riding, classic, uh, running with the devil. Oh my gosh. Wait, 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 wait. I, I want to re- wait, I want to start this over again. I'm going to see how many classic rock references I can work into this. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, they were known to hold their, uh, black Sabbaths. These sisters were not Christian. They were also, uh, midnight riders. You could see how high they fly. They were running with the devil. Uh, and i i think that's as far as i could really go with the classic rock but i was pretty proud of that that was uh, some good ones that's all we can get out of that well yeah because after that then you get into uh formal repudiation of christianity desecration of the crucifix nocturnal meetings with orgies i mean which which is not for ladies that's for uh landed english gentry Uh uh that's they get to have orgies and still be right with God, but not the ladies. Child sacrifice, cannibalism. Wow. Uh, and this is this is funny. I'm glad this shows up in Europe at some point in our discussions. Uh, dick magic that witches could f- with your switches. Um, <laughs> you know, we we talked about that with uh, cultural uh, psychosis mm-hmm. um, that that happens in a lot of parts of the world, Africa, Southeast Asia, but here it is in Europe. Witches broke my pee pee. They're, they are responsible for uh, impotence or diseases. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the classic, you know, stillborn infants, sour milk, uh, dry cows. And uh, then you get into, you know, from there, you trade up to your classic transmogrification. You know, you got Typical your familiar. shape shifting. Yeah, you're going from your human, your animal, your human. Oh, by the way, now I got all these animal friends. They're not just pets. They're, they're pregnant. F- they're f- <laughs> I ain't asking, I ain't judging, but every single one of these animals is knocked up. Uh, yeah, and then you, yeah, they're, they're they're not pets, they're familiars. Oh, yeah. They do the bidding of the dark master. I like this. Some of them would uh, uh, take these familiars and suckle them from their warts or other marks. Oh, God. <laughs> You, you hungry? You hungry, demonic raccoon? Why don't you get some of this wart juice? There you go. Mama loves you. Come over here and put your lips round my mole. Oh, oh I, I see you, evil. Don't mind I, that hair. I see you, evil Bambi. Don't worry. I got a real painful burr on my heel. There you go. Get some. Evil Bambi. Evil Bambi. Evil Bambi actually... Uh, led her mom to to an ambush his mom to an ambush yeah and set the forest on fire yeah uh cover the cover the evidence (laughs) actually uh that was the burning times no 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 actually bambi was burning the forest just because it was you know clearing some agricultural land but the federal government decided to uh prosecute bambi for arson did two years got out then the government was like well it's a five-year minimum for arson on federal land and that's why uh thumper is currently occupying the birdhouse that <laughs> was that was involved it was i just imagined evil bambi has a tattoo that says mother 
I imagine that evil Bambi has a tattoo of the Constitution of the United States. Bambi took an oath. <laughs> I, I like that this witch's familiar suddenly turned into like this raging patriot who was who was trampled upon. I I I saw the slightest offshoot of the highway and I went for it. Uh, I even like this. They they like to sail on a single plank or in an egg shell. <laughs> That's just. You're just tossing darts at that. Yeah, point. they're just making shit up. I love the. I, I love, and this is something we've come across. Um, I love that they were accused of uh, being witches because they kept cats, which is something that everyone who didn't want mice did. <laughs> they had cats in churches, right? They, I, they, this is like such a classic thing, and it shows up not only um in witchcraft, but also like in general things like racism. You know, like you have all the tropes, like oh, fried chicken. Everyone fucking loves fried chicken. A hundred percent of people love fried chicken. It's but, the best food but there I, is. I think that those things are done deliberately. You pick something that no one has an objection to and be like, oh, that's what you do. You, you got to wonder how that fucking works. Right. It's, it's horse. Shit, but I think, I think that's, that's actually how it's done because they're like, well, if we pick something everyone likes, then everyone in the group I'm trying to denigrate will like it. And then, and then you just, and then everyone notices every, you know, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Pet theory. Yeah. Like Canadians like maple syrup. All those Canadians. <laughs> I show me someone who doesn't like maple syrup. Exactly. And I will be able to pull their reptilian mask off and finally end this whole charade. <laughs> it's a charade. <laughs> I said good day, sir. <laughs> if it was a charade, no one would believe me. Yeah. It was a game. Well, the, the cats they thought were familiars or demons given to witches by the devil to act as advisors and messengers. And you know what? I kind of half see where they're coming from. Yeah, I can see why. why. Cats sometimes do seem like they come from the devil. <laughs> yeah, they do feel like a devil's gift. <laughs> Hi, kitty. And sometimes the kitty's like, hello. And sometimes the kitty's like, you're not bleeding enough. Now, uh, according to Witch Hunters, during the height of the witch trials... I'll- I really thought you were going to say, according to Witch Hunters magazine. <laughs> Here are 10 ways you can get away from a witch's seduction. The 2016 crossbow models are out. <laughs> I don't think you hunt a witch with a crossbow, but I wouldn't hunt a witch without one. Wait, is this for witches or again witches? <laughs> Probably again. It's Witch Hunter magazine. Witch Hunter. Okay, I see. We are still in the history section. <laughs> yeah. Which Two-page spread well, of moles. I- I'm the guy who made that whole speech about how important the history is. So, yeah, that's going to be the, a, a lot of this episode. True, true, true. Uh, at the height of the witch trials, a witch's mark, which was also called a devil's mark or a witch's teat, was the coldest part of the witch. Sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> it was sufficient to keep your Klondike bars cold. <laughs> it was sufficient indication that an individual was a witch. So, identified witch's marks may have just been moles, scars, birthmarks. Skin tags, supernumerary nipples, which is that, extra, that's, that's extra nipples. They didn't have to be purple. <laughs> and natural blemishes or insensitive patches of skin. Which is great, because keep in mind, this is like the 1500s, the 1600s. Everyone's got a full set of scars by the time they're nine. Yeah, yeah. It's just life, man. A witch's teat was associated with the feeding of familiars or... Of the devil himself. Ooh, I'm hungry tonight. Huh? I think I'll go up, uh, see what's going on in Salem. Get me some of that uh, witch tea. Mm. Look. 
Oh, he is the, yeah. I'm the he devil. is the devil. He's just a machine of bad ideas. <laughs> Methods to determine if one was a witch were, aptly, medieval and harrowing. A common witch hunting method was swimming or ducking, based on the ancient ordeal by water, whereby the accused was tied hand and foot and immersed in deep water. I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch. Uh, if the accused witch floated, the water had rejected her and she was deemed guilty. If she sank and drowned, eh, she was innocent, but, you know, dead. The accused could also be pricked all over with a sharp instrument known as pricking, imaginatively enough, <laughs> yeah. in the search for insensitive spots where the devil had visibly or invisibly marked them. Because, you know, once the devil's done sucking on your teat, oh, he likes to scar it. you up. Stop saying it. Oh, Oh, Ooh, that was good. Slice <laughs> the devil. Woo! It's like a different kind of freak out. It's not quite like last time, but I'll take it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm supposed to be goading you more. Sure. I made a, I made a Facebook promise. <laughs> Other more traditional tortures were also used to elicit confessions and accusations against accomplices, including. Hi, I'm an inquisitor. Call me old-fashioned, but I don't hold truck with all this newfangled pricking or ducking. Nope. Back in my day, we were happy just to use thumbscrews, leg vices, whipping stocks, iron spikes, scalding lime baths, prayer stools furnished with sharp pegs, and racks. And of course, the old family favorite, my grandpa's strapado, which was a, uh, you hoist someone up on a pulley and pull their arms from their sockets. Of course, that's just me. I guess I'm old-fashioned. <laughs> now, back to your regularly scheduled trip. It's a guy whittling, and when you when you when the camera pans out, he's just flaying skin off an arm. <laughs> yeah, how about that? He's how about doing the strapado? Do, doing the Lord's work. The strapado. That's doesn't. I, I I don't know what a strapado is in my head, but I don't feel like it's a thing you pull arms out of sockets. Yeah, yeah. It seems like something you'd bull ride with or something. Right. So fear of witches really had some steam by the time Puritan settlers reached the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1630. Folks lived in an almost constant state of paranoia for fear of the supernatural and Satan trying to get them at every turn. Now, coupled with the Native Americans' attacks on the settlements, political unrest between the crown and colonial governance, local grievances, and the difficulty and isolationism of founding a colony... 17th century New England was a tough place to live and keep one's sanity. I mean, think about this, because you've got not only uh, people brought their own little folk uh, beliefs with them, you know, putting a bowl of cream out to, to keep leprechauns at bay and, you know, things like that. Like, there's a little bit of that that comes over, but you're also in a completely foreign place where anything could come out of the woods at any time and you don't this, know. Yeah. America was Australia back then. Yeah. It really, it was nuts. And Australia was super Australia. <laughs> it was, it was twice the Australia it is now. It was Australia X. <laughs> <laughs> what is now a beach sand used to just be a writhing mass of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> they just ground themselves down yeah. to little granules. That's all that is. But don't dig too deep. <laughs> but they, but also you have native Americans who are terrifying heathens that worship the devil and probably can produce their own evil magic. I mean, like 
if if you're on if you're on board with this stuff, of course it's terrifying. Oh yeah. Couple just like you said with exhaustion, malnourishment, mm-hmm. uh, every everything on earth is trying to make you batch crazy. And and with all of that adding up, people were just frayed with their nerves, you know. I've read a lot of stuff about local these local grievances people would just get in these petty disputes oh, yeah. and land um arguments and that cow used to be my cow or your wife looked at my sheep funny and it died right or like, yeah, like i love the idea of a property dispute when you're one of 200 people on the entire <laughs> fucking continent <laughs> well i'm not uh, you know what i mean i i know what you mean yeah. yeah one of 200 settlers right but you know they he worked hard to clear yeah. that land of trees Actually, farm with. I, I heard that New England was like particularly difficult. A lot of rocky terrain. Oh yeah, that's uh, and that's one of the things we'll maybe get back to if I if I remember it. But don't let me forget that. And we we even touched on that a little in the Roanoke episode. You know, it yeah it wasn't much better. Although you d- at least had a foothold mm-hmm. where you were at an outlet for the troubles and of the hardships was often sought. And witchcraft was an easy excuse. In colonial New England, witchcraft was a capital crime under the so-called Blue Laws, and although the crime of witchcraft did not require any harm to result, in practice, there had to be some harm that warranted the effort and expense of a formal proceeding. So you couldn't just say, ah, witchcraft, right? Uh, let's witch, go to trial. Witchcraft, she looked at my sheep and now it's dead. Yeah, like there had to be, well, if the sheep was dead, I guess that would be physical harm that that you could say Right, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, there's yeah. a difference between. I think so she's a witch. Like, well, and- all right, dead sheep. Let's go to trial. <sighs> we'll we have to pay a day's wages you for re- people who are missing work. You realize this is going to take like 20 minutes, <laughs> where we could have been praying. That's the devil. 20 minutes closer. Are you sure that's what you want? <laughs> Prior to 1662, a single witness was all it took to support a witchcraft conviction. Although the proceedings appear to have been documented, many of the trial records no longer exist, except in Salem, where they kept pretty good records, Yeah, which is how we, maybe that's why it's so popular. Uh, in 1688, Puritanical minister Cotton Mather published memorable providences relating to witchcrafts and possessions, describing his, quote, oracular observations and, quote, stupendous witchcraft which had affected the children of a Boston man. Hello, I'm Cotton Mather, and I've seen some stupendous witchcraft in my days. Please join me as we delve into the bowels of the devil. Because I saw this one guy, and I didn't like the looks of him. Not one bit. Cotton Mather. (laughs) I just imagine his wig was, like, going everywhere. Cotton Mather's satanic kingdom. Join me as we go from village to village, driving the scourge of Christianity before us. Yes. Also this pie. Now, somehow lost in the mix of history were the Connecticut witch trials of 1647 to 1668. That's 20 years of trials, bro. That's a long time. A total of 43 witchcraft cases were heard, at least six of which ended in execution starting with perhaps the first woman hanged in the colonies, all say young, or in some accounts, Alice Young. And that was in 1647. Now, supposed victims accused neighbors and family of possession, being uh, that is, being possessed, having familiarity with the devil, and 
even not having the fear of God before thine eyes. This was, uh, I so, think this was in an account where someone was like, okay, are you, are you a witch? No, you don't look like you're godly enough. You don't look like you're scared enough before the eyes of God. You're a witch. Right. Yeah, exactly. That is, uh, I can't really bust you for being a witch, but you're not enough of a Christian. <laughs> so, just, you know, what's the man. difference? The accused were tortured or questioned until a confession was given under duress, and then they were hanged according to the law of God and this commonwealth. Now, six other women were tried and hanged for witchcraft uh, around Massachusetts before 1692, um, and which, which pretty much brings us up to d- Dateline, 1692. Yep. The title of this episode. <laughs> uh, so you've got the settlements of Salem Town, as we said before, Salem Village, Ipswich and Andover. Salem Town is the current day Salem, by the way. Right. And like in you said it before, Salem Village has is now Danvers. So there is still a Salem. Yep. It's not just that everything changed, but there couldn't be two Salems. No, oh. no. Okay, so boom. January sixteen ninety two. Happy New Year. Except for it's not going to be Happy New Year for nine-year-old Betty Paris, who uh, has the unfortunate distinction of being the minister's daughter. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, oh, no, that's the son. I, I didn't realize Betty was that old of a name. You don't expect to go to the 1600s and meet a Betty. I guess not, yeah. So was Betty, the daughter of a preacher, man. Yes, uh, she was. She was. So uh, Betty and her cousin, uh, Abigail Williams, who was 11 at the time, had been afflicted with strange fits, which involved screaming and and weird sounds, contortions, and uh, they said they were being pinched and poked by pins, uh, and to the degree which the local doctor, one Mr. William Big Billy Griggs, Big Griggs, Big Griggs, couldn't find any evidence of Break one nine, here comes Big Riggs. I'm Bill Griggs, and I'm a doctor. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I couldn't find anything wrong with your daughter, but I told her to keep the dirty side down, the shiny side up, and send her back out out the road. <laughs> Wanted to do a double nickel outside of Salem Town. <laughs> <laughs> keep my eyes peeled for a bear trap. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, big Billy Big Griggs. Oh, yeah, Big, big Griggs. <laughs> so he couldn't find any evidence of any any ailment, physical or otherwise. So then, uh, seeing what a big deal that was, now it starts to jump around. What they needed, it was like a 1600s house, but he wouldn't even have a cane. He'd just be missing a leg. He'd probably already be dead. That's why they didn't have a house. Whatever f***ed up his leg killed him right there. What are you talking about? The house from the TV show. Oh, house, house. House, house. I see. Okay. Yeah. He needed, they needed a house because he had like, oh, I, to get to the bottom. I thought it was, I thought it was like a home. No, doctor they needed house. a home. They no. need a. He was like, they need a pill, well, a piddle, well, pill, pill addled. Could be lupus, but you're probably an idiot. <laughs> I'm, I'm gruff, but deep down, I love people. Abigail Williams, played by Olivia Wilde. So, uh, before too long, other women in the village, twelve uh, year old Ann Putnam, two seventeen year olds, uh, Mercy Lewis and Mary Walcott. Mercy, there's a seventeenth century name. That is a great name. Now they start having the fits. Same kind of thing, just flip outs and freak outs. But in the midst of all their, they're cavorting and slam dunking around. <laughs> um, in the midst of going so hard in thine paint. Yeah, they were, they were just, just dragged hard into the paint by devils. Uh, but then 
they also find time in their busy uh, seizure set schedule to start accusing people. Now, the funny thing about this is that historically looking back at it, people think that especially Ann Putnam, who is the, the youngest of the three, but the ringleader for pointing the, the, the witch stick, <laughs> was probably just kind of carrying out her mom's uh, personal grudges, Eesh. which is particularly distasteful. Her mom, Ann Putnam Falcone. That's exactly. <laughs> Ann Big Mama Putnam. So uh, the doctors put their heads together and decided, yep, they're under the influence of Satan. Satan. So boom, that is, that is the, that's January. Let's just keep marching into February, Flora. All right. The Paris's Carib Indian slave, Tichiba, bakes a... <laughs> Bakes a w- <laughs> when you read it, it looks like tit tuba. <laughs> bakes a witch cake oh. and feeds it to a dog. According to an English folk remedy. Wait, was that a cake made of witch or for witches? I'm just getting to that. Or just by witches. <laughs> According to an English folk remedy, feeding a dog this kind of cake, which contained the urine of the afflicted would counteract a spell put on Elizabeth and Abigail. And the reason the cake was fed to a dog was because the dog was believed a familiar of the devil. Couldn't so, have a golden retriever then. Where was the cat? Where were the cats? Well, they, like, they, how does the dog get, get in there? Well, classic because the dog will eat anything because they're idiots and cats are all like, they probably, uh, they probably get that dog, that piss cake. Let's just hide over here for a while. Pressured to identify the source of their affliction, the girls named three women, including Tichiba, as witches. On February 29th, warrants were issued for the arrests of Tichiba. I don't, I, that, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Could be Tituba. Tituba. <laughs> Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. Although Osborne and Good maintained innocence, Tichiba confessed to seeing the devil who appeared to her. Sometimes like a hog and sometimes like a great dog, which I feed pea cakes. Yeah. <laughs> Puppy want a piss cake? <laughs> Little dead peas. <laughs> What's more, Tichiba testified that there was a conspiracy of witches at work in Salem. That f***ing Tichiba. Oh, God. She was supposed to be delightful. We do have some records uh, in, uh, of what happened with the trials in Salem. And so we've got a pretty decent idea of how the questioning might have gone for the accused. Yeah. So I will be playing uh, Matlock. I'll be playing Sarah Good. <laughs> now, Your Honor, I don't like to spend a fine spring day in a courtroom like this when I could be back on Crackerback Creek <laughs> fishing for crawdads, so I'll be brief. Ms. Osgood, what evil spirit have you familiarity with? Mm-hmm. So have you made no contact with the devil? No. Well, <laughs> I've got a real pickle of a conundrum, Ms. Uh, Ms. Osgood. I just couldn't get it out of my head, kind of like a raspberry seed stuck in my teeth. <laughs> Why did you hurt these children? I don't hurt them. I scorn it. Well, then I'm forced to ask, who do you employ to do it? I employ nobody. I see the game you're playing, Ms. Osgood. You're a very clever girl. You always did well in school. Ms. Osgood, do you mind if I ask just one more question? 
What creature do you employ then? No creature. I'm falsely accused. Oh, no further questions, Your Honor. Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) On into March, over the next several weeks, other townspeople came forward and testified that they, too, had been harmed by or had seen strange apparitions of some of the community members. As the witch hunt continued, accusations were made against many different people. Frequently denounced were women whose behavior or economic circumstances were somehow disturbing to the social order and conventions of the time. Some of the accused had previous records of criminal activity, including witchcraft, but others were faithful churchgoers and people of high standing in the community. Martha Corey, Dorothy Good, and Rebecca Nurse in Salem Village, Rachel Clinton in nearby Ipswich were accused, the most disturbing being Dorothy Good, who was four years old. While probably not eligible for sentencing, her answers to questioning were construed as evidence pointing to her mother Sarah as being guilty of witchcraft. Accusations of Corey, a full covenanted member of the church in Salem Village and nurse in Salem Town, were disturbing to locals. If they could be witches, anyone could. Kill, 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 skin jobs, That actually kind of worked out creepier than either of us intended it to. Let's kill backwards. Play it backwards, fucker. Uh-uh. I like it when you're just saying lick, lick, lick. <laughs> lick, lick, lick. That's, that's the real terror. All right, so uh, winter marches into spring, and with it comes several more people who are arrested and examined in April and May. Abigail Hobbs, Mary Warren, and Deliverance Hobbs all confess. Deliverance is a great name. Mercy and Deliverance. All confessed and began naming additional people as accomplices. Why, at the end of May 1692, warrants were issued for yet more people, and the jails were approaching capacity. Okay, that's it. That's as much as I got for that. <laughs> a prison on the grow. <laughs> uh, after Sarah Osborne, you know, one of the OGs, uh, she died in jail. The uh, recently appointed governor of Massachusetts, William Phipps, ordered the establishment of a special court of Oyer and Terminer of Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex counties under the leadership of Chief Justice and ardent witch hunter William Stoughton, among others, to prosecute the cases to, of those in jail. Which by this point, sixty motherfuckers rotten in the slammer. Fifty nine. One of them is literally rotting in the slammer now. <laughs> and these magistrates base their judgments and evaluations on various kinds of intangible evidence, including direct confessions, supernatural attributes, such uh, as witch marks. Right, exactly. Uh, and reactions of the afflicted girls. Yeah. So if you uh, if you spend a few weeks in jail and you're not chipper, you're a witch. <laughs> Uh, spectral evidence based on the assumption that the devil could assume the specter of an innocent person was relied upon despite its controversial nature. Even why well, even cotton Mather uh, denounced the use of spectral <laughs> evidence, a fire and brimstone preacher, uh, Boston. Yeah. So there, there's your, there's your miserable spring. Man, you think of cotton Mather as a real hard asshole. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of witches and witch hunting and all that stuff. But even he was like, whoa, pump the brakes there, pallies. Yeah. Going a little too far with this petrol evidence. You could take that back to Dorchester. Take it back to Dorchester. And some of them did. Some of them were from <laughs> <Yeah>. Dorchester. <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. Say hi to your mother for me. In June, Bridget Bishop, a 60-year-old tavern owner known for her gossip and promiscuity, 
was no, the, I say. was the first case to be brought before the grand jury. When asked if she committed witchcraft, Bishop responded, I am as innocent as a child unborn. She was found guilty and became the first to be executed. So, boom. You've got uh, a woman who everyone used to bang, who is now past banging age, and they're like, well, I'd hate it if she talked about banging me. Off she goes! <laughs> that was Blanche from the Golden Girls. Yeah. Was that tavern owner. Except for Blanche was never past banging age. <laughs> well, it didn't say she was past banging age, did it? Just said she was promiscuous. And 60 years old. Statistically, we can't all be Blanches, okay? I'm 40 and I'm past banging age. Nobody wants this. She was taken out to Gallows Hill, an appropriately named Barren right. Slope near Salem Village, uh, where she was hanged. Now, this is getting back to the part that I told you not to let me forget. This was a very rocky and, and barren place in Salem there. And because of that, it's a little bit hard to do any archaeological rummaging around. There's not a lot that's yeah to dig through. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, unless you really had to, no one really dug much there because it was such a, a piss poor mix of dirt and large pain, difficult to remove rocks. Yeah. But it does still exist. In July, for the trial of the next batch of accused witches, this is when it's real. The train's really rolling. Yeah, it has pulled away from the station. They've already gone through the first group. Now they've they've they're they're honing their craft. They they figured out all the all the rookie maneuvers. Yeah. and all over there. Now they're seasoned veterans at, 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 at which. And this Stoughton bag of dicks was very much like kill witches. I mean trial trial for the witches. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then kill witches. I'm fine with the trial so long as we kill the witches. Yeah. So Rebecca Nurse, Elizabeth Howe, Sarah Good, and Sarah Wilds, or Wild, also Susanna Martin. For their trial, they moved the court from Salem Village to nearby Salem Town. Oh, because that's where the scores can really change. Yeah. And uh, all the accused pleaded innocent, and all were hanged. Now in August... Uh, George Jacobs Sr., Martha Carrier, George Burroughs, John Proctor, and John Willard were also tried and hanged. Uh, Martha Carrier's words uh, before she was murdered, which would be even more terrifying if it was after she was murdered. Uh, I am wronged. It is a shameful thing that you should mind these folks that are out that are out of their wits. They're like, oh, probably you're right. Kill her. Jeez. Now, uh, how about 80-year-old Giles Corey? Uh, he refused to enter a plea, which hell of a loophole turns out back then don't enter a plea. Couldn't be found guilty. Uh, and so his possessions could not be impounded, but kind of, uh, backfired on him because they decided instead to crush him under heavy stones until he would enter a plea. Didn't work out so well. For no, him. no. It, it, two days later. Yeah. Two Jesus. days under these stones and there's pictures of it. There's like yeah. one of those wood cuttings where yeah, they put, let's like a door on top of yeah. them that they just pile stones on. 80-year-old guy. So uh, this brings us into October, by which time they have now killed 20 people. And finally, Thomas Brattle, a wealthy Boston businessman and scholar, wrote a letter criticizing the witchcraft trials, uh, which actually had a huge impact on Governor Phipps, who then ordered the reliance on spectral and intangible evidence no longer be allowed in trials. I should note here that uh, Cotton Mather and his son also really lobbied the governor to get rid of at least get rid of this spectral evidence 
bullshit that they were trying to pull. And and Phipps Phipps uh, listened to them to his credit. So also so yeah bans the spectral evidence and then uh, started prohibiting further arrests and released uh, many of the accused. Uh, dissolved the court of Oyer and Terminer, and uh, and it is it is rumored that his wife, Lady Mary, she was herself accused right around the same time. Uh, but that's more rumor. You know, there's no you can't put a thumbtack. Yeah, in that one. would be a very very convenient coincidence if oh, that were true. Thank thank God. I wish that they had accused her sooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Accused that one of a witch. You're you're a witch. You're a witch. What's that? Sorry, what? witches is over. We're not playing. No, no this more anymore. witches. No more witches. My wife is not a witch, and you're not either. Nobody is. Hey, hey, no witches for everyone. <laughs> Who wants lobster? <laughs> he may have been English. Uh, to be fair, I think they they, yeah, they, they all, may have trickled down from the old. They're uh, all from Dorchester. <laughs> In November, the General Court of the Colony created the Super. Superior Court to try the remaining witchcraft cases, which took place in May of 1693. But that time, nobody was convicted. Well, it's because it was a superior court. In January, several women, including Elizabeth Proctor and Abigail Faulkner, were convicted but given temporary reprieves because they were pregnant. Judge Stoughton ordered executions of all suspected witches who were exempted by their pregnancy but Governor Phipps denied enforcement of the order, causing Stoughton to leave the bench. Probably very pissed. But you I, know what? I, I wanted to murder these people so bad when that when I heard I couldn't, I fucking quit. Yep. Because that's what I believe in. 49 of the 52 surviving people brought into court on witchcraft charges were released because their arrests were based on spectral evidence, and Phipps pardoned the rest. So Phipps comes in, he's like, this has, get out of jail yeah, free card for uh, everybody. No more. Please, God, no more of this. In all, 29 people were convicted of the capital felony of witchcraft, and 19 of those, 14 women and 5 men, were hanged. At least 5 more of the accused died in prison. Two dogs were executed as suspected accomplices of witches. <laughs> the bodies of the hanged were cut down from the trees and thrown into a shallow grave. And the families of the dead had to reclaim their bodies after dark and bury them in unmarked graves on family property. Following the trials and executions, many involved, like uh, one Judge Samuel Sewell, publicly confessed error and guilt. On January 14th, 1697, the General Court ordered a day of fasting and soul-searching for the tragedy of Salem. In 1702, the court declared the trials unlawful, and in 1711, the colony passed a bill restoring the rights and good names of those accused and granted 600 pounds restitution to their heirs. However, it was not until 1957, 1957, 250 years later, that Massachusetts formally apologized for the events of 1692. There was also evidence of repentance within the Salem Village Church and in 1703, the members of the church voted to reverse some of the excommunications they had imposed at the height of the hysteria. Now, in 1706, Anne Putnam, who was one of the most active accusers, joined the Salem Village Church and publicly asked forgiveness, claimed that she had not acted out of malice, but that she had been deluded by Satan into denouncing innocent people like Rebecca Nurse. She was accepted for full membership because she's the only person who confessed to an actual interaction with the devil. Bring her into the church. I'm not saying they should have killed her, but f*** her. 
Uh, Come on in. God loves you. That's right. Chief Justice Stoughton, however, who was arguably as much to blame as anyone else for this tragic episode, refused to apologize or explain himself because that's what assholes do. And even criticized Phipps for interfering just when he was about to clear the land of witches and women. And you know what, though? It cost him dearly (laughs) because, you know, he had to live out the rest of his. No, he was then elected as the governor of Massachusetts. Jesus. He was so close to getting all them pesky witches, women, witches. Yeah. Make him governor. God. From what I understood, he was just kind of like a placeholder governor. He just kind of, sort of kept things the way they were. Well, at least he didn't get to make things the way they used to be. Yeah. Pretty crazy, man. God. I mean, you think about that. Like the like the razor's edge. I mean, everyone who was accused in, in the initially was executed. So there was no way out. Right. And the only people who made it out later were just because Phipps started to step in. Right. Because they were killing everybody. They, they didn't need proof. They would just gin up whatever they could get, call it proof, and call it done. But- Think about that. Like everything with your life is fine until some lunatic teenager is like, hey, guess who's a witch? You. Yeah. And from that nanosecond forward, no one listens to a word you say, and all of your neighbors and all of your friends start torturing you. <laughs> Jesus. You can't even not say anything. Right. Or and you'll get crushed to death. And that's, and yeah, and that's the thing. So if you, like, there, there is no way out. Because, I mean, if you get mad and be like, what the fuck is wrong with all you assholes? Oh, my God. Did you you hear them swear? Yeah. That's a witch. Yep. And even if you're like, no, I am. I believe in God. I love God. And I hate the devil. They're like, yeah, not not godly enough. Not enough. Not enough. And it's and and there's don't believe you. It's such a a horrifying piece of human psychology that is still very much a part of who we are that. You know, if you leave, you know, say, say you're a rational person and you see how this is bouncing and you're like, it, I'm grabbing the wife and kids. We're heading out to the country for a while. I'm going to let you guys cool out on this. Why are you fleeing? Get them. Yeah. So you have to stand perfectly still in the middle of it. You have to balance every social allegiance so that no one has a reason to get in your face, but you can't do it too well <laughs> because if you have, if, if you have no enemies, then someone's going to take you down. Jesus. What a, what a, what a mind f- paranoia. Yeah. As if living wasn't hard enough already. Right. You know? And you know, one thing I was thinking while we did this is this all kicks up in January and this is in new England. So it's already been winter for two, three months. Mm. People are getting weird and stir crazy and bored. I mean, that's when this whole thing starts in the winter, you know, and we've had uh Wendigo, a ton of the, like people get weird in the winter Yeah, when they're, when they're cooped up for too long. It's not hard to see like what the the real root of all this is. And you've got, you know, this, this horrible confluence of, you know, some girls decide to start flipping out for attention. One of the moms decides to harness that to, to settle some grudges. Mm. Ugh. what now that was something I wanted to ask you about. Do any of those symptoms sound like something else? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why I don't think it's anything else because they go away. I, See what you're saying, and I wonder if that's true, or they just don't write any more about because if if those if those girls had uh, a form of epilepsy, which um, one or two of them might have, it, it is possible, but it wouldn't. I mean, you know, people can you know epilepsy can I think develop. I don't think you necessarily have mm-hmm. to have it your whole life. It can emerge. First of all, like those all 
all of those symptoms, I suppose a person could experience, but they would have so many other crippling problems, you know, like the, um, the feeling of being poked and attacked that, that gets circling that stuff. gets into it sort of, um, a psychotic break area. You're you're getting kind of into this schizophrenia area where you're attributing your feelings to an outside entity that's attacking you, that's interacting with you. Not to mention then you've got fits and seizures and, if all of those things had a medical basis, they would not go away. I I agree with that. Uh, I I just wondered about like they were saying prickling sensations or like pins being stuck with pins. It sounds neurological uh, to me, as in uh, something with the nervous system. You know, right? But you're you're right. Like they would probably come back. At, at least somebody would say like, "Oh, it's still going on," or. And the, the, here's the other thing is that but we never a, see anything like that in the information. The, the three girls who start, who started this were not related. Mm-hmm. So you can rule out a genetic match Their Their ages were pretty dis- disparate. So you can rule out an onset thing, perhaps like a, a, a puberty onset sort of thing. And it was limited to these three girls. So it's not something that was showing up in the village water. It was not showing up in family food. Uh, only one person each family was getting hit by this. It was only selecting women, so there's something there. But um, so you, there's a whole lot of environmental things you can rule out by the paucity of other symptoms. No, I mean these are pretty tight knit villages. It's not as though anyone got a particular food item just for themselves. Everything was shared, and so <laughs> you, you know what it sounds like. It sounds like they were all getting together and you know playing. Mary f- kill or something. And then like, they just got up and they're like, Oh sh- my legs asleep. I've been sitting on it too long. Oh, the devil. <laughs> the thing is, is the pinching and poking arrived later. It started with fits and screaming. It started with just theatrics. Oh, it, well, and then the, they, the they, way I read it, it was like everything just sort of, and then they built upon that once. over time. Like, because as they got attention, they had to throw a few more logs on the fire. They had to make the show a little better. And so, I don't, I don't think that there was a physiologic reason behind it. I think any yeah. of those things could have a symptom, but none of it would go away. And, yeah. it, and I'll tell you why, even though it doesn't mention it, the reason I know that it went away is because they are not mentioned again. If these, women, if these girls were eternally tormented by the devil, they would be dragged out into the streets for everyone to see, oh, this is why we're doing it. This is why we have to do this. Look at these poor girls. Until these girls are safe, we have to keep those nooses fed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let's get to some of the legacy. Oh, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how this thing has played out, including uh, the the fact that we can learn a lot of shit from this, like the paranoia and the hysteria that accompanied the trials. It's really served as a, as a teaching tool for how not to hold trials. Right. And let religious fervor get out of hand. Right. As a matter of fact, it is. Uh, oh, I found this really great quote about that. Uh, there's a guy, a historian named George Burr. Uh, and he said that the Salem witch- witchcraft trials was the rock on which theocracy was shattered. Oh, it was like this, this seminal point where, uh, Phipps, you know, sounds like, and I'm sure other people who were involved as well said, you know what? We can, we can be one of two colonies. Mm-hmm. We can either be one that is ruled by thoughtsy feelings and, and spectral evidence, or we can actually have courts that weigh real evidence. Mm-hmm. And could he have acted faster? Yes. But then again, I'm sure that he was like, wait, wait, what are they doing? 
<laughs> no. And while all these missives go back and forth, like another Baker's dozen, you yeah. know, yeah. hits the nooses, you know, but so yeah, it was like this, this, this really seminal moment where, where he made a decision that no, I'm going to appoint another court and these are going to be trained professionals, you know, like, like that's the, the, the superior court, mm-hmm. uh, it's involvement. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a, it was a huge moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it seems like a lot of the accusers, when you look back at it and, and at their lives, a lot of them sought to gain something or enact some kind of petty revenge against people who they just thought had wronged them. Right. In some way. Yeah. These people cooped up a lot. They have to deal with each other with all these other stresses. So their, their nerves are always a little bit raw. And, and like we said, should, tensions were already frayed. You know, it was just. Think about your office. You know, imagine the people you work with, you live in that office with them and you never leave. And that's all the people you see. <laughs> and you can either, you can either say, I have to get along with these people. I have to take every, make all the effort I can, or not really recognize that and just, just let it all fester and stew until you find this way to exact your weird revenge. Yeah. Ugh. You just, you got to wonder when these consequences started being real for these people, like you're, you're accusing someone, you're basically sentencing them to death. Like, right. Can you live with that? Like, did these people really, the accusers, did they, and I, how did they hold up after that? I wonder if in their heads, like the entire script flips, you know, you start, oh, I'm flipping out. Everyone's looking at me. Oh my gosh. Everyone pray for me. The devil's attacking me. Ah, probably cause I'm so pure and great. Probably cause my hair's so nice. Ah, sh-. And then people start dying. People start getting executed on your accusations. Then, oh, you have to stick to this plan Mm. because if you ever say you didn't do it, you will either be executed as a murderer or as the actual agent of the devil. You will be then accused of the thing that you're accusing people of. Yeah. So you, you, you kind of have to go with it. Or you're going to die. Like you've started this horrifying log flume and there's no getting <laughs> off of it. Just waiting for the splashdown. Right. Which has got to be kind of its own terrifying hell. Part of the scariness of this is that by a lot of accounts, most of these accusers and the judges and the the people who were doing the sentencing and, and carrying out the executions they believe they were in the right. Yeah. They thought they were doing the right thing yeah. for God and country. Exactly. They thought they were, they were doing the right thing for Jesus. And that is scary. That, that is probably the scariest part of this. They were upholding what they knew. Yeah. They were doing the right thing. I, I, I got some things that, that we can take from this from a, a, a law school site. Oh, sweet. Which I'll, I'll link to because they've got a lot of good information on this in particular, but One of the things they say is that hysteria happens. People get caught up in a moment and it's real. And that's something that can't be denied, I think, is what it's trying to say. You know, you can't just deny that a lot of people just get caught up and swept up in this and have some sort of mob mentality in a weird way. It happens all the time, but people never think. I mean, they do so much research into this Mm -hmm. about how groupthink works and what we call the mob mentality and the... the, um, you know, people lose their individualism and it happens, but every single person thinks that that wouldn't happen to them. Yeah. But 
every single person could also think of a time that they got whipped into a frenzy, you know, like there's, there's an extraordinary amount of psychological pressure by a group of people, even if they're strangers, peer pressure is a huge motivator for behavior. Yeah. Uh, they also say that children especially can be influenced by suggestion and peer pressure to say things that are not true. Oh yeah. And kids are brutally smart manipulators. Every parent on earth right now is <laughs> nodding their heads. I'm amazed. My friend Eric's kids, they are master lying craftsmen. Like the, the tiny little toddler scams that they pull, mm -hmm. they're like, it's all like a little oceans too, all the time. They've got like 17 different scams running at any given moment to get like an extra treat or five more minutes with before nap time. I mean, they, they're brilliant. Yeah. They are brilliant manipulators. And it is, it's, it's terrifying how adept a child can be at that. Like yeah. to kind of just read the room and know kind of what to do to get what you want. Right. Uh, and something that might be a little buidoy here. Uh, we should be skeptical of confessions when the confessions are the result of torture or when the person has a self-interest in confessing. Right. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if someone is torturing me, I will do whatever in my mind will make them stop. And if they say, tell, tell people that you're the coconut Lord. So be it. Yep. I am the coconut Lord. Oh, wait, you have to kill the coconut Lord. Well, at least I'm not getting tortured anymore. Yeah. You know, if, and if that torture goes on long enough, they're like, please kill me. Yeah. Of course I am. And I'll, I'll point you to five more coconut Lords. I don't know why I'm on this coconut Lord thing, but it says a cooling off period can sometimes prevent injustices, but you know, that's, there's also the saying cooler heads prevail and. Yeah, and if, if you can in, if you can interrupt the cycle of accusation leads to fear, leads to accusation, which leads to fear, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. if you can shut everything down and let everyone just calm the F down. Yeah, and they also say trials should be fair, evidence introduced should be reliable, witnesses should be subject to cross-examination, defendants should have legal assistance and be allowed to testify on their own behalf, and judges should be unbiased. Doesn't it suck that somebody had to write that down? Yeah, it's just, it all seems so common sense. Yep. I don't know. But so Dave, what are some of the modern day witch hunts we've had? There's the, uh, the most famous one would be the McCarthy era communist, uh, hunt, the red threat. Yeah. You got the, uh, house on American activities committee, you know, the, the blackballing of, of actors in Hollywood, um, McCarthy's list of known communists, which was just laundry list had nothing on there. Um, you know, whenever you're, you prop up this threat of a thing, but I'm the one that can save you from it. So just let me do whatever I want. Yeah. What else you got for? Um, well, there were the daycare abuse trials of the 1980s, which uh, there were child witnesses and accusations that multiplied and people were afraid to support the accused. And then there were these unbelievable charges and hysteria and stuff. I, I'm not as familiar with no, this one. I didn't know about that. Yeah, apparently, apparently there were there was a rash of uh, abuse accusations going on with uh, daycares, and and the eighties were a bad time for this too. I think because you also had the old satanic panic going on. Oh, absolutely. Yep. You know, people were going after D and D <laughs> towards the end of that. You know, and and also uh, with with some sort of different motivations though. Uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson during World War One. I think it was Ken Hyde who first told me about this, uh, introduced the Espionage Act of 1917, the Sedition Act of 1918, the Immigration Act of 1918, 
all of which were used to um, punish people who had uh, beliefs or who were anti-British uh, or pro-German, who were socialist, who were too socialist. If you were a little socialist, you're okay. If you were too socialist, they would <laughs> kick you out of the country. You could be imprisoned. And they had neighborhood patrols that uh, neighborhood watches that would listen to their neighbors and report them and kind of like really, uh, kind of create a terrifying police state to make sure that, that there was absolutely no, uh, dissension in the, uh, in the United States involvement in world war one. Jeez. And so, yeah, it was very easy to fall into that same, that same cycle of fear and retribution. And I, I mean, speaking of world wars, I mean, the Nazis. Yep. Old witch hunts of their own. Exactly. Yeah. You know how that turned out. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, when you, when you decide that it's a whole group of people's fault that you're not as happy as you feel you should be, this is what you're doing. This is what's happening now. We are gladly replaying all of this. Well, we're, we're doing that now with terrorists, terrorists, the Mexicans, Mexicans, the poor, right? Like, uh, it's sad. It's I, 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 I would just, put, I would put it past sad and into the the realm of terrifying. Well, you're you're right because we can see what repercussions this can have. Yeah, this when is people get whipped up into these right. sorts of fervors. We've done this ourselves in in living memory. <laughs> there are people alive who went through this. Well, we see it on TV every yeah. day with these elections, right? And you know, so it's it it is. I mean, there are important historical lessons about hysteria about the use of fear to 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 control groups to to alter behavior and and again you know it it can, it comes down to some girls wanting attention and maybe maybe some people wanting to settle some debts yeah and and then people start dying and you just magnify that uh, i'll tell you if somebody is trying to scare you to see their point of view you need to check the source yeah exactly you need to stop and think for a minute Right. Yeah. Fear, fear is the easiest thing you can use to motivate people. And it's, it's easy to dress fear up as responsibility Mm -hmm. as point fingers away from what's really happening. Yeah. You can make fear look like, uh, patriotism. You can make fear look like faith, you, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, if you're doing something because you're, you're terrified of an outcome. You're, you're, you're motivated by fear. You yeah. Know? Your, your choice that you make is going to be heavily influenced probably in the wrong direction. Right. You know, so it's, it's always a good idea. Just like you said, check a source, really, really think about everything. Yeah, stop and think. I mean, just in general, and stop and think, <laughs> you know, no, no, no. Come on floor. You need, you need a little better than that. <laughs> I can, this, uh, that's, I, I uh, hate fear as a motivator. Uh, I, I could go, I could Hulk, but I don't, I don't know floor. I mean, just, I think yeah. that, you know, you know, if you're, if you're not afraid, then how can you be a warrior? How are you? You're trying to scare me into not being masculine about I'm, my opinion. I'm trying to goad you into another glorious tirade. Because I've stopped and I've thought about it. Oh, there was a cooling off period and I broke the cycle. Poops. <laughs> well, anyways, folks, that will do it for the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. In, in a very scary, hysteria-filled, <laughs> accusatory nutshell. God, yeah. Well, you know, Flora... I feel like you've been consorting with dark powers. What? Yeah. Yeah. What an untruth. I I accuse you, Flora, of having no puns. (laughs) Prove me wrong, Flora. Prove me wrong, you punless devil puppet. (laughs) 
I can prove thee wrong twice. Oh, okay. Hit me. Well, I'll tell you that sometimes judges and governors act on their own set of principles and rules. You, 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 yeah. you probably know this happens a lot, right? This was a case in Salem when the chief justice wrote his thoughts on witch hunting. But the thing is, you got to understand this. He was simply following his William Manifestoten. Oh, God. Well, you know, you know that out of, out of uh, Salem... In the late 1600s, there was a, a an industry was born that still is in business today. Oh yeah, yeah. They they are not a sponsor for the podcast. I, I reached out to them. They declined. Assholes. Yeah, yeah. But that would be um you know ever since uh since 1692, Tarley Whitford's extra strong crushing doors, <laughs> the only oaken doors built to withstand hundreds of pounds of crushing pressure. <laughs> What's under them, however? Yeah. But just where it's not our territory. Yep. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Tarly, Tarly Whitford's extra strong crushing doors. <laughs> Deliverance goodwives. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got a Massachusetts based store specializing in sewing, knitting, and weaving supplies. I'm listening. It's the Salem Stitch Trials. Oh, God. It's all, exper- all experimental. Uh, sewing techniques. I'm <laughs> yeah. just not. They're not sure. They're they're putting it through its tests. Isn't there a, a witch stitch or something like that? It better be. You just stole my pun. No, you didn't. <laughs> uh, I've got a, another uh, another company that was really prominent back in the day. Uh, they are no longer in business, unfortunately. Oh. But we do have some of their promotional materials. Oh, Constance Goodwife's carbolic acid war remover. Don't let the devil suck on you. <laughs> Loose devil lips sink Salem ships. <laughs> oh, man. F***ing <laughs> thirsty right now. <laughs> Who's got a teat for me? <laughs> the devil. Wow. <laughs> Head bitten off bat. Them's <laughs> oh. puns. And now it's, it's time as Flora and I sit. Tied to the stake, oh, and all man. the villagers gather around to hurl their accusations at us. <laughs> it's time for Villager Mail! <laughs> so we got a uh, we got an email here uh, from someone who apparently just, you know, they, they did the work. They got the undergrad degree. They stayed in college until they could finally get their MZ, um, which is Master of Zombies studies uh-huh uh and so they are a fully accredited zombie master oh, oh. Welcome uh, back yeah again yeah so i'm so glad these are great zombie master writes in on the darling deering darling deering versus uh hungry for what what was <laughs> thirsty for curse thirsty thirsty for kirsty he's going down with savik he he's thirsty for Kirsty. Oh yeah. yeah. Poops, poops. He said it's tough though, because they are both talented and attractive ladies. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so I, I mean that that actually that's coming out her, on top, yo. She's I she's, thought that yeah. Yeah, I think she is. She's kind of edge she's slowly pulling away. Deer Deering tried to play catch up, but I think Savik come just on, come did on, like guys. a 10 Darling run. Deering. Let's, let's, let's pull this. Because you know what, though? No, I can win either no way. Winning. Either either my my choice lady is the winner, and then I'm just a winner. Or I'm like, fine, all you idiots can go chase after your girl, and I'll have Deering all to myself. Mm-hmm. You've really thought this through. I do every day. 
Thanks, Zombie Master. Thank you, Zombie Master. Dave, we've heard from Frosty Gamer. Check it six. Watch pretty incoming bogeys. Roger that, Frosty Gamer. This is hit that blunt four twenty six nine six nine six nine six nine. Moving into your four o'clock. I hear you. Hit that blunt six nine six nine six nine six nine. Please, no jokes about fucking my mom this time. Thank you. Over. I read you loud and clear, Frosty Gamer. You got nothing to worry about, as I've already f***ed your mom several times. Woo! Hit that blunt four twenty six nine six nine six nine. Our rules with a Z. <laughs> Hi, Frosty Gamer. Hello, Frosty Gamer, uh, who found us through Ironicus. Sweet. <laughs> got a great show suggestion for us from Mexican folklore. Nice. Here's a quick story. He says, this past summer, my mother and younger brother went for vacations over there. Mexico. Uh And they went to the countryside to visit some relatives and spent the night there. Frosty Gamer says, my mom is always precautious since she and my father were some of the people that hopped the border and made it to New York and became legal. She would always keep her senses up. (laughs) There, my mom just laid in bed with my little brother against the wall and her being silent and vigilant of the entire room. She heard paws at the front door. Since that door led to an open field, she thought it was a, a dog and just listened. Until she heard that door slowly creep open, and then she pretended to be asleep. She could hear paws hit the floor in her room, except that she didn't hear four, she heard only two. She told us that in the room, there was not only her and and my brother, but also her parents, meaning that nobody else should be coming in, even less a dog. So she slowly looked up and saw a man-sized figure with dog legs, trying to shimmy between the two beds where the four people lay. It was dark and she could only distinguish the feet and the silhouette of a man creeping in the room. When she saw that, my mom sat up and screamed, startling everyone and the, and the thing in there. This being saw my mom and bolted toward the door. My grandpa sat up, cursing out, and asked what the problem was. She told him about this thing creeping around. At that moment, he got up and grabbed his shotgun and blade next to his bed and ran out the open door. He was a musketeer. Hell yeah. He stood at the door (laughs) looking for the guard dogs, yelling out their names with colorful words. Probably uh, Gulo and Pinche. Yeah, some (laughs) of that. (laughs) By that time, my mom grabbed a machete and and my grandpa's pistol. So Jesus, they were stocked. Yeah. (laughs) Quickly, my mom flipped her clothes inside out and laid on the floor, aiming her gun, gun to the door. My little brother woke up with all the ruckus. My mom told him it's okay and go back to sleep. Why were the wait? What, what was with the clothes inside out? You know that 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 comes up in a lot of stories, especially Filipino folklore. Remember, like if you're mm. lost and and you think a tick belong is screwing with you, you turn your clothes inside out. That kind of helps things. That that's damn really a popular thing. But all right, my grandpa and mom didn't find anything that night. But what my grandpa told her is that he found the dogs cowering. When my grandpa approached the room, she heard him coming and yelled, I'm packing, so watch out, (laughs) Pinche, by which grandpa said it was him. And when he saw her dressed that way, he quickly followed and told my grandma to do the same. And she was really bad at hearing, so she reacted only by being told very close. (laughs) Well, that's a detail. Uh, My little brother slept in boxers, so my mom quickly changed him while he was sleeping. My little brother was nine at the time, so he passed out quickly. Uh, By day... She heard the roosters and the sun come up, but she never let that stop her vacations until she came back to the States to tell the tale. And that's some of the Damn. stories that reside in the region. Uh, keep up the good work. Big fan. Frosty awesome. Gamers. Thanks, Frosty Gamer. Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. 
And um, uh, draw, kudos uh, to your family for yeah. packing so much heat. <laughs> hit, hit that blunt four twenty six nine six nine six nine. Withdraws the comments about your mother <laughs> as she is packing. That's right. Wow. Uh, nice. I've got another fun um, south of the United States border uh, email. Okay. From our friend Guillermo. He is from Brazil. Hola. How about that statue of Christ the Redeemer? Yeah. How about that Neymar, huh? <laughs> These are the Brazilian things I know. The Brazilian things I know. I know. <laughs> How about that Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> Olympics? Huh? <laughs> huh? Uh, Beaches? Cor- corruption? Very, very fit bodies? Favelas. What is that? Those are like the terrifying slums that the military has to clear out. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Way to bring it down. <laughs> I'm talking about sweet Brazilian booty, and you're <laughs> like, slums. <laughs> Whatevs. Anyway, uh, Guillermo writes an awesome email. Uh, this is my name is Guillermo. I'm a longtime listener from Brazil, and I want to congratulate you for the show. Laughs and information on perfect dosages over the years. Thanks. Uh, blurry photos has been very important for me because as you talked about the devil baby. What? what who? Who? Did we talk about the devil baby? Uh, I got the idea for my first book in English, which I'm releasing now as an ebook. Uh, he gives us a link there. Oh, nice. Uh, it's a cyberpunk novella set in, in a future where American and European refugees run from a war-torn northern hemisphere into Brazil. And he got the idea for incorporating the devil baby. Nice. Um, now, the funny thing is that, well, he got the idea from us, but D- Brazil actually has its own devil baby. In the 1970s, uh, Bebe Diabo was a newspaper tabloid turned cryptid from the 70s. And it's kind of like, it sounds like it's a uh, Brazilian version of Bat Boy. He's like oh. this this like guy who keeps showing up in the tabloid papers whenever they kind of don't have a better thing to write about. It kind of sounds like a, 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 a something the Cherry Poppin' Daddies would sing. Yeah. It does sound like that. Big bad voodoo daddy or something. Uh, Baby Diabo. Baby Diabo. Uh, so there's all these, he's got all these headlines uh, from the different uh, newspapers that were out there. Uh, Warlock goes to ABC to expel Baby Diabo. <laughs> or Baby Diabo is seen on the rooftops. <laughs> Bishop dies after seeing Baby Diabo. That's great. <laughs> um, but Baby Diabo had more adventures. How about uh, Guillermo's favorite uh, headline was Baby Diabo takes a taxi on the street. <laughs> Baby Diabo is one of us. Yeah. The uh, the driver was terrified and asked the destination to which Baby Diabo said, hell, and step on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, it's me, Baby Diabo. Who's got the key for me to suck? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lastly, Gare writes, uh, he's got a mundane superpower, blind chromancy, uh, the ability to change the color of any object, including yourself in a chameleon like fashion, but you are colorblind. I'll take that. Oh, wait, no, then you never get it right. Ah, nice. That is a good one. See, so may, may as well be blood red as you are trying to hide in that green bush as you stuck. Yeah. You have to yeah. remember what the right color is. Yeah. I like that one. That's awesome. Thank you, Gare. Thank you. Nice to hear from a, a listener from south of the old equator. Yeah. Abrigado por escrito. Oh. My friend. Uh, Dave, we've heard from Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Lewis. We, we, we saw this uh, when, when it came in. He said in one of the episodes when we talked about uh, uh, Dickfoot, 
<laughs> so they had had him rolling on the floor. Sasquatch. Sasquatch. So um, he he did a little fan art. Oh, sweet! And uh, put it up on Imgur. We, we and we saw that. Yeah, I think I actually logged in and upvoted that because Good. because we have a, a secret yeah. Imgur account, but we're just you know. If it ever matters, we're Thundersound. Yeah. Thank you, Lewis. Yeah, thanks, Lewis. And lastly, we've got something from Neil. Hi, Neil. Hi, Neil. He says, hello, chaps. Is, is it Neil T? And he's like, hey, you f***ers, quit saying you got second place in that for that podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It isn't Neil T, but it's not that T. Oh. Which is which is funny. Uh, but he he suggests a, uh, a nice uh, Halloween show from This American Life. Sweet. It says it's short and uh, right up our alley. So. I love This American Life. I haven't listened to it in a long time. And he just writes in to say, hey, love the show. So thank awesome. you, Neil. Yeah. And thanks, thanks for Neil. listening. Uh, and thank all of you for writing in. We are going to catch up. We've got the plans to do it. And yeah. we, we've got the gumption to do it. 24 hours from this moment, we shall be recording it. That's right. But as I say it, not as you hear it. A, a It'll already be done. Sweeping scimitar It'll of already be fiery yeah. listener mail cleaving action. So as you hear these words, I want you just to get all warm and fuzzy knowing that it's already been done. It's already, already done. You can always go to blurryphotos.org and check out. Here's the deal. If you're only getting us through iTunes or, or whatever service they have, they may only have the past 100 episodes that we've done. What? We've done many more than that. You can find them all on blurryphotos.org slash archives. Mm-hmm. Just go to the site and, and go to our archives. You can either download it right there or you can just listen, stream it from there. What about uh, Stitcher? Does Stitcher have the full? I, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, sure if Stitcher look. does that or not. Uh, I'm guessing it'll do the RSS feed, but yeah, man, some some of the things just get a little bit too too much for me. That's right. But anyway, if there's something you you would like to hear us tackle uh, that that you haven't heard us tackle before, we love listener suggestions. Yes, we use but them a lot. but go in there, go in the archives, and see if we actually have tackled it before, and it's just not showing on iTunes. No, yeah, maybe that that happens sometimes. You can always follow us at blurry underscore photos on Twitter. You know what you could do is if there's something that you like, you could look in the archives, listen to it if you found it. But if you didn't like it, still suggest to be like, no, no, I heard it. You can do better. (laughs) (laughs) I was telling Dave, there was one episode that we sort of did a second pass on just, it's a long story, but we we did, we did our half lost episode. Um, no, this is, this was for something else. It's, it's long story, but just. Suffice it to say, we did sort of a second pass on something we've already put an episode out on, and I was sort of appalled at how bad my research was back then for it. Uh, <laughs> I think it was better at, at condensing things, but I feel like I left out a ton of information. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting, but you know, we might find a way to That's how it double goes. back on Living some of those. Learning. Also, uh, here in the midst of winter, don't forget to salt your driveways, your walkways. And uh, get yourself a sturdy, there's, listen, spend the money on the good snow shovel. Don't get the cheap one. You'll be glad you did. Then take that snow shovel and throw it at the motherfucking donate button. <laughs> like edge first. Try to take a chip out of that button. Oh yeah. Uh, don't Get swifty with it. And, and, and don't forget to also collect your free audiobook from uh, audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. It works. It's great. Thank it's you legit. to the, some of you have been taking advantage of that and, and, it, we see it because it, it comes in high fives to us the month after. So Yeah, and they do a couple of cool things because um, I've been using it for a little over a year now. And uh, it's it's really convenient because what, what you can do is 
I was doing the thing where you just pay by month and you get a credit mm-hmm, each month. Right. I don't listen to one every month, but so they kind of stack up. And after a while, you're like, well, how would I ever get ahead of this? You can even put your account on hold, still have access to all your credits and, and catch up, but they're not charging you. Wow. And then take the account That's off smart. hold and go back to it again. So it, it works really great. That's uh, smart. Yeah. So Annie and I share it. So we, we are constantly like trying to figure out books that both of us would like and this and that. And I've, I've kept mine operating exclusively for my girlfriend who has had to do so much driving in the last six months, all over the place, tons and tons of road trips everywhere, hours and hours driving. So I've kept it running and I gave her an old phone that had all the passwords and everything. So she could just pull audio books off that whenever she wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice. I, I am reading The Gunslinger. Nice. I have not ever read the Dark Tower series, so. Nor have I. I've got it kicking around my house, and I, I keep meaning to. Yeah, well, so far, so good with yeah. it. I'm it just seems like in. learning how to read the tunnel works. So that's why I haven't done it. Also, if you guys haven't heard yet, go over and check out our friends, our good friends at Expanded Perspectives Absolutely. Podcast. They just had us on. Uh, we're nice enough to to interview us on their podcast just to find out a little bit more about what we do and uh, had a great time talking to those guys. Kyle just, and Cam are yep. f***ing awesome. They they just released their episode with us. Uh, you can find that at expandedperspectives.com. They're at expandedp on Twitter. They're, they're on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You'll find us on there. But uh, yeah, you can check us out. Listen to how uh, charming Dave is and listen to how I just can't form sentences for I some I forgot reason. the word conspiracy. He's hung up on this that he forgot conspiracy. Flora, it's great. You which can, is you no can, big this deal. Is what, this is what partnerships are built, built on. Flora slides in and saves me like a hero. Yeah, that's, and that's the only good hero. thing I did because the whole rest <laughs> of the, the time I was just like, um, and then, but, but then what you have to know, and I, I don't but, even know why I, I was talking about us in the podcast. Like, yeah. how do I not know what to say <laughs> with stuff like that? Uh, yeah, check out, check out, uh, expanded perspectives. They cover uh, a lot of the same kind of things. Paranormal Floridiana really, they, and they, they get super deep on paranormal news. They find yeah. amazing articles that I've never seen. Yeah, they um, do they do news for every episode, yeah. which is a smart format. And, and they've then, got uh, cool music. They're they're just a great podcast. And more importantly, they're just cool guys. They're great guys. Great yeah, you guys. Will, I, you will you will just enjoy listening to them talk about stuff yeah. as much as we do, I promise you. So that's expanded perspectives. Can't wait to get down to Texas and, and hang yeah. out with them. Eat some brisket and talk some cryptids, you Drink know. Some Shinerbach. That's right. Um other than that, uh, thanks, yeah. uh, you know, as as you know, to the Chicago Podcast Co-op, they're great. And if you want a good one to to listen to, go check out Alka Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Clint and Jared talk about uh, liquor and movies. Liquor and movies. How, they make a drink, can, and it's 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 amazing. How could you possibly mess that up? <laughs> That's right. And they'll have guests on. We've been on. They've yeah. been on here. I mean, it's it's a family, and uh, it's a it's always a good time. So yeah, please check them out. It's it's a ton of fun, and they get great guests. Uh, you, people that we've had on here, uh, Mark Soloff has been a guest on there. They've had a ton of ton of people. Ironicus is on there all the yeah, time. Yeah, Ironicus. Duh. How stupid am I? Grant's on there. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of like people who we've had like five guests you're right, total. You're right. It's it's a very and shallow pool for us. Not not very many that's been on here have yeah. also been on there, but they've had many more that have not been on here. And squares are a rectangle, and right, uh, right, right. rectangle is not a square. So. But and, anyways, uh, don't forget uh, to like us on Facebook. We're getting close to nine Hildos. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, picked up a little bit, but, uh, you know, we could always use your subscriptions and downloads. And we're, we're so close that once we hit nine, we're, we're, it's the March to one Thildo. 
And uh, please send us some recommendations. What should we do to Mark One Thildo? That's true. I have no idea. Something weird, something you know, embarrassing, I, something amazing, something cool. I've just thought of uh, what to do for our annual Irish drinking episode. Yeah. Um, oh, shit, that's that coming planned. up, everybody. That's that's like a month away. Yeah, yeah. I is. think we have just barely recovered from last year, and by we, I mean me. Guys, what what will we, what will the 2016 uh, Titanic banging holes comment be? What will happen? It's, I, I'm it's afraid. Terrifying. Yeah. I we, think I think last year scared me off liquor a little bit. I have You haven't drank drank in a long time. No, I I I will not I'm, with me anyway. I'm You'll drink with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> you dick. No, I have been cutting down my drinking extraordinarily because uh I'm trying to lose weight, mm-hmm. which uh alcohol's a big part of that. Yeah. Been working out in the mornings. And so uh yeah, I I, I no longer casually drink. Like if if there's an event, if there's a reason I'll go out and I'll drink, but I, I won't drink just for the sake of having a drink. Me, me, however, I, I could do with a few, a few more than I already do. Nice. Well, and also again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I cannot forget the fact that Flora has a bottle of moonshine rolling around in his house somewhere. It's true. That's true. <laughs> that's oh, totally that's true. Totally true. All right. Well, anyways, we've kept you long enough. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. Have a good week. Who knows? We might get some listener mail out to you this week or the next, but- uh, other than that, we've we've got some good episodes lined up for the end of this season, oh, and we yeah. take our traditional break, which may, you may won't not even be feel too it. much of a of a break. It's, it's a break for us, but we're actually just going to pre-record a bunch of stuff, so we'll still have episodes coming out. Like you won't even notice. You won't even notice. Um, <laughs> we're going to ghost ride this whip for a couple of weeks. It's just a piece of rope tied to the steering wheel while we're at a convenience store getting nachos. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like that scene in Ferris Bueller. We'll just record something oh, yeah. every time they open the door. Yeah. Like you just hear snoring. <laughs> and anyway, perfect. yeah, we've got, we got stuff coming up. Uh, season four, good season. Uh, not over yet. So stick with us and then we'll, we'll be back for our triumphant return. But in the meantime, for this episode of Blurry Photos, I have been Dave. That guy right there, he's the witch. David Flora. He communes with the devil. David Flora right there. That David Flora Stecco. I have been. Baby Diavid, Flora. Told you. Bye. <laughs>